So this morning, we're going to continue along the lines of our series, Dispensers of Good. God spoke to Abram, and he said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he said, I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. I will make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. Now, we've been talking about being or different ways that we can dispense good to others. Well, the number one thing that we looked at is we spend, dispense good to others by sharing the good news. And then last week, we talked about we dispense good to others by being vessels of His compassion. Praise God. You know, the favor of God is upon our life for a purpose. I like to say it like this. The blessing of God upon our life is God's favor resting on our life and then God's provision flowing through our lives and then God's will being done in our lives. So this morning, what I want to just emphasize for a little while today is I want to share on that we as vessels of His goodness, then we are to be generous. What I've discovered this is generosity is a condition of the soul. It is a condition of the heart. It's not just about money. It's having generosity not as one act or one thing you do, but generosity as a way of life. It is true that the conditions, the contents and the condition of our soul really determines the quality and the direction for our lives. You see, a generous soul is a healthy soul. Amen. A generous soul is a healthy soul. In 3 John 2, you're familiar with this verse, but he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, the word prosper there literally means to be successful on a good journey. In other words, things go well in your life through your journey in life. And so we prosper then as our soul prospers. I believe this with all of my heart, that you and everything and everyone is connected to you is better off when you have a soul that is generous. Amen? And so I know this for sure. God is calling His people to generosity. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, how can I be generous? I don't have very much. Well, start where you are with what you have. Start today with what you have. And one way that you can think about different ways of being generous is realize, number one, how generous God has been with you. He saved you. He delivered you. He healed you. He met your need. He restored you. He has done so much for all of us. I think it's important to look back and to rehearse and to recount and to recall into our lives and our minds what the Lord has already done. Oh, folks, He has done 
great things. He is doing great things. And he will yet do even greater things. You know, when I think about the Lord and all he's done for me, we sing that song. It causes me want to shout. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, it causes me to want to dance, to shout, to sing, to praise all day long. So look back and see what the Lord has done. And know this, that he's not finished, praise God. He just gets gooder and gooder and better and better as the days go by. Well, he's already great. He's already good. But in our hearts, in our minds, he gets gooder the more that we walk with him. Can I hear an amen out there? What has he done for you? What do you need to be grateful for? Praise God. Amen. We see an example of this in John chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. John, the 12th chapter. It says, Six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. I want you to get the picture. Now, Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Remember? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was bound came out and he was set free and raised from the dead. So this is right before the Passover. Uh, Jesus went back there to the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they had prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Notice what Mary did. Mary picked up an alabaster filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. Mary was absolutely generous. Her gratitude was so much that she could not help but be generous. She was extravagant with her gratefulness. Her brother, Lazarus, has been raised from the dead, and she is showing forth her gratitude by being generous. Glory to God. Think about it. There's a call on all of our lives to be generous. It is a core value here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. To create an atmosphere of generosity in our congregation. As I said earlier, generosity is just not a one-time event. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's not, well, I did my Christian duty today, or I gave to someone that was homeless yesterday. I served in the children's ministry once. No, no. Generosity, glory to God, is about loving and giving and sowing and serving from your heart because you love God and because you love people. Hallelujah. Because you love the Lord and you love people. Here's what John said in John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you agree with me this morning that God is the greatest giver there has ever been? Now, here's the good news. He didn't just give one time. 
He continuously gives to us regularly. I like Psalm 68, verse 19, where it says, Blessed be the Lord our God, who daily loads us with benefits. Now, there's no doubt and no argument whatsoever that the greatest benefit that you and I receive when we receive Jesus is we receive salvation. That means we're not on our way to hell. Glory to God. We're on our way to heaven. Amen. And what should we be doing when we're on our way to heaven? We should be singing and shouting the victory. So the greatest gift ever given to us is eternal life. Peace with God. Knowing, praise God, that one day, hallelujah, you will be in glory. That's wonderful, and that's a great blessing. But oh, thank God, eternal life and the Zoe kind of life and the salvation in the Hebrew means so much more than being saved from sin. It means being saved from disease. It means being saved from poverty. It means being saved from having nervous breakdowns. It means wholeness. It means shalom. It means a peace with God that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, in verse 32, it bears this out. Romans 8, 32 says this, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now notice this. How shall he not with him also freely, not grudgingly, but freely give us what? He will give us all things. The Amplified says it this way, Will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Amen. The Passion, I believe, says it this way, He that did not hesitate to spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else that we would ever need? Oh, glory to God. And so it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of having confidence in Him. He continually gives. He continually, continually blesses His children. Everything that we have is a gift from God. James said it this way in James 1 and verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Good gifts. Blessings in your life and blessings in my life are an absolute result of His love toward us. And because we have been recipients of His love, then we are to imitate God as dear children and walk in love and show forth His love. One of the greatest ways that you and I can show forth the love of God is by being generous, by being dispensers of good, by being dispensers of generosity to those that are around us. Can everybody say amen? I heard this quote years ago, and it says this, you can love, you can give without loving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so then to be like God 
You've got to learn to become a giver. I looked up the word generosity and a portion of the definition of generosity in the Greek, it literally means to be ready to distribute or to dispense. To be ready to distribute or to dispense. In other words, to bless other people. It's a blessing to be a blessing. In Proverbs 11 and verse 24 and 25, it tells us there is one who scatters, yet he increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now notice in verse 25, it says, The generous soul shall be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Think about that. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Think about that. Wow. Look at that word rich there. That word rich there means to have a full supply. That means to have an abundantly, uh, to be abundantly provided for. A lot of people look at that word rich and they think it means being a multi-multi-gazillionaire. Well, thank God for multi-gazillionaires. We could use a few of them around the church just so they're nice. Not try to tell me what to do. (laughs) But oh, thank God that you can have a full supply. You know, Jesus became poor, the Bible says. That's over there in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Amen. Say with me, I am rich. I am rich. I am rich. In the name of Jesus, I am rich. Now, the message translation of Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are help. I thought about this the other day where it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. What that means when our world gets larger and larger, it means we have greater influence. That we have greater blessing. And that we can have a greater impact in the world. We can have a greater impact when our world becomes larger and larger. You know, some people have an attitude of, well, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, I just, uh, I'm just one of those people that, you know, I just want to get all I can. Like someone said, get all I can and can all I can get. Where they become, you know, tight-fisted instead of open-handed. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Selfish people end up lonely. They end up miserable. Think about the first few words, uh, first few letters of miserable. It's miser. We don't want to be misers. We don't want to be tight-fisted. We want to be open-handed. Here's what generous people know. Generous people know that they're investing 
in eternity. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19, it says, Give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasures for yourself in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. So I have a question for you this morning. Are you looking for ways to bless others? Or are you looking only to get blessed? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's not that hard. It's a choice. A choice to be generous. A choice to be a giver. There's a call to be generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, and with our touch. We are, in fact, dispensers of good by being generous. How can you be generous? Well, I'll tell you one way you can do it, is you just give yourself completely to Him. Say, Lord, you, I belong to you. Just give yourself wholly and entirely to the Lord. Another way that you can be generous is by giving your tithe to Him. You know, God said in His Word that the tithes are His. Praise God. And when you bring your tithes and offerings to Him, He said that He will open the windows of heaven and pour out great blessings in your life. I'm going to invite Brenda to come back now, and she's going to talk about generosity with you for a few moments. Praise God. Good Good, good teaching for sure. Amen. But every time I hear a message on uh, generosity, I'm immediately drawn back to where where I grew up and the home that I grew up in. And I just always see my parents because they modeled generosity. I heard this phrase, uh, this phrase many years ago, and it says, Give happily to those in need. Share whatever you have. And you know, when I hear that, that describes my parents because they were very generous people and they were also thankful people. Sometimes we say, well, I can't give anything because I don't have much. It's not looking at what we don't have, but it's being thankful for what we do have and willing to share it with other people. Those who have a generous heart are happy People, The home that I grew up in was full of joy and laughter and happiness. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for people that are excited and thrilled and joyful to share what they do have with others. This scripture here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 out of uh, verse 7, it says this, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this tells us right here, first of all, we purpose in our heart. We have a right motive in sowing, and we do it cheerfully. So my parents modeled this before us. We, I have four siblings, two older sisters and two younger brothers. And all of us are believers walking with the Lord today. And all of us are generous people. And I know it's because of what our parents 
instilled into us. Folks love to come to our home. My parents were farmers. They didn't have a lot of money. But I think because we lived on a farm, grew a lot of our own food, we always had a lot of good food to eat. And I can remember somebody would happen to show up at our house when we're getting ready to eat supper. You know, we call it dinner now, but it was supper out on the farm. My dad would always say, well, we may not have much, but such as we have, you're welcome to it. And I don't know, that was my mom's attitude as well. They were looking for ways constantly to be a blessing with what they had they gave and they shared with others my mom was notorious in the neighborhood and in the the area where i grew up in for making cakes and delivering them to neighbors one of the things that she did a lot was to bake birthday cakes for people in the nursing homes. She'd find out when it was their birthdays. And then she'd have all of us kids go with her and deliver these birthday cakes and have a sing. Happy birthday to somebody that may not have any family remembering them on that special day. That's a way of being generous. Recently, it was, oh, I think a couple of years ago, my sister posted some things about my mom on Facebook. And you know that she's been in heaven since 1976. So that was a long time ago. But I was amazed at the comments of people that are now adults, obviously, and my age and older that were saying, yeah, I remember coming over to your parents' house. I remember your mom did this for us. And I remember your dad did that for us. My dad one year there's a family whose uh, father had passed away and the son really wanted a rifle so he could go hunting to help get food for the family. I didn't know this for many years afterwards, but she was the ones that said, when my we were in such need, your dad bought a 22 rifle for my brother or my son. I don't remember how it was. And he was able to hunt all winter long and to help us have food on our table that's doing what you can do and of course both of them have been in heaven for many many years but i still have those images of them loving god and loving people that's generosity i remember one year my dad and i went i loved to hang out with my dad went around and cut down wood and delivered it to a lot of elderly people, some woman who had been whittled, and he took her a whole pickup full of wood so she would stay warm during the winter, finding a way to be generous. It's not always about just money. It cost him a little bit of money to go and cut down those trees, but mostly it was an investment of his time. And that's what Pastor just said. Being generous is an investment of our time, our talent, and our treasure. I know for me and my siblings, we will forever be impacted by what we saw our parents model before us. Some things are better caught than taught. And it is true that oftentimes our actions do speak louder than our words. Being generous will affect you and everything and everyone connected to you. 
So I encourage you as a family, look for ways this Christmas season that you can be generous. Maybe it's making cookies or whatever, some way that you can even involve your kids. I'm telling you, it will impact them and it will get on them. There will be, I heard this phrase the other day, generational generosity. So involve your family this year. Find ways to be generous and a blessing. Amen. (laughs) Man, thank you, sweetie. So good. Those are words of great, great wisdom and words that we can all hold fast to uh, during this time because, you know, in the middle of what people, I guess, call a shutdown, a lot of people shut down in their soul and they shut down in their spirit. But naturally speaking, even though there is a temporary, I don't know what they call it, shutdown or stay home at order, we do not have to shut down in our heart. We don't have to shut down in our prayers uh, for this nation. We do not have to shut down in our prayers for one another. Think about it. Being prayerful and praying for others is an expression of God's love. It's one way that we can dispense generosity to other people. Now, on Wednesday night, uh, we're going to be continuing our little mini-series on great prayers that we are praying. Uh, The other night, what we did is we read some scriptures and then we actually prayed. So I think it'd be good. That's, That's one way that we can be generous. Don't shut your spirit away. Don't get so intoxicated with the media. The media will intoxicate you. It will intoxicate you with fear and anxiety. And a lot of what's going on in the media is not based on truth. No, not at all. What's, what's going on in the media oftentimes is based on lies from the pit of hell. We're not going to go into all of that. But we've got the truth. Why would we want to spend all of our time listening to the lies, listening to the talking heads, talking about, you know, uh, it's going to be a dark winter. I told Brenda yesterday, I'm not going to have a dark winter. I'm going to have a bright winter. Now that, that lines up with the word because God never said he's going to take us from darkness to darkness, depending on this or depending on that. No, we're going from glory to glory. The path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. And so as we walk in God's paths and as we live for Him, our lives become brighter. We become more of a witness. We become a great light to people around us that are really, you know, have shut themselves down and have shut themselves away. I think one of the tragedies of the pandemic that is in the body of Christ, a lot of people have not done and taken the opportunities that God has given them to draw near to God. Instead, they've drawn near to Netflix and they have drawn near to, I'm not going to say it, I almost said Hallmark, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Don't mess with Hallmark, I won't. (laughs) But you know, I mean, some of those things are fine and okay, but I'm telling you, there's a, a, a saturation point 
in people's minds and in their spirits where they, they're shut down. They, they, they have fallen into a deep sleep, if you will, spiritually speaking. Now, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not here to preach condemnation. But what I am saying is this, is when we walk in God's paths, we will be a bright light. We will be a bright witness. And we will be men and women that out of our belly then shall flow rivers of living water, shall flow generosity, shall flow words of encouragement, shall flow strength, shall flow a word in season to a heart that is weary, to a mind and to someone that is just shut down. I believe not only is it time to open up the churches, but it's also time to open up our hearts and welcome once again the engrafted word, hallelujah, which is able to save our souls. Open our hearts wide, amen? And open hearts can be generous hearts, amen. And so that wasn't in the notes, but I believe it was good and I believe it was God. So what are then, uh, just quickly before we receive communion, let's look at one of the greatest benefits of being generous. Well, what does it do in our lives? It brings increase into our lives. You cannot outgive God. Jesus said, if you'll give, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give in to your bosom. You think about it, in the word of God, the word believe is used 272 times, the word pray 371, the word love 714, but the word give is used over 2,000 times. So what is giving? Giving is loving, it's caring, it's sharing. These are all basic Christian principles. In Galatians 6, 7, it tells us, do not be deceived. The mere fact that he says, don't be deceived, deceived, means that we could be deceived. He said, God is not mocked. Man, you could preach on that for a while. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, what's going to happen? That shall he also Reap. Think about that. Whatever we sow, we will reap. If we will dispense kindness, we will reap kindness. If we dispense compassion, we will reap compassion. If we sow generously our finances, we shall reap those things. We shall reap finances. We are interested in a harvest of good things. We're not interested in a harvest of bad things. So if we don't want bad and ugly things to show up in our lives, we should not be sowing the wrong kind of seed. Amen. One person said this, and another translation says of Galatians 6-7, a man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. So what are you experiencing? What kind of harvest are you experiencing? I encourage you 
to sow the right kind of seeds. And then another benefit is when you and I are generous individually and as a church, corporately, it creates, I like what John Maxwell said, the big mo. The big mo is momentum. There is nothing like momentum. Sports teams get it at different times of the year and they begin to ride that momentum. The big mo. I'm believing for the big mo in here, our church here. Giving and being generous. And that's why that's why we support other ministries year round. That's why we support, you know, the Philippines. We just gave $2,000 to help feed 17 churches over there. The Philippines is completely shut down. That's why we support ministries like Mutual Faith Ministries, Keith Hershey's ministry over there in Beirut where they experienced that huge explosion just a couple miles away from their beautiful building there that Brenda and I were there years ago. That's why we sent a check and supported for the, you know, the, the fixing up and the reconstruction of certain things in that building. I believe that once we support others, we shall be well supported. I'm not waiting for everything to look good and to feel good before we support other people. Praise God. God is good. And so it creates momentum. It creates momentum. It sets in motion the law of seed time and harvest. Amen? So as we as a church support others, the return comes. When we have a church full of generous givers, amen, that means there's going to be constant returns, constant blessings, and constant breakthroughs. Praise God. And that's what we are believing for, for your house and for this house. Praise God. The Lord is on our side and he is good all the time. Praise the Lord.